If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf and welcome to my podcast, Cleaning Up the Mental Mess, a podcast dedicated to helping you take back control of your mind, mood and mental health. In this episode, I interview internationally recognized expert on Alzheimer's, best-selling author and founder of Apollo Health, Dr. Dale Bredesen, on signs of neurodegenerative disease, how to prevent them, and what to do if you are having or developing a neurodegenerative disease like Alzheimer's or dementia. Dr. Dale also shares some great tips on how to help someone who has a neurodegenerative disease, how to keep your brain young and healthy, and so much more. Before we begin, I want to tell you about something I am so excited about. You can now pre-order my new book, 101 Ways to Be Less Stressed. This book is packed with simple self-care strategies to help boost your mind, mood, and mental health. Right now, when you pre-order, you can get 20% off. This book is a great gift for holidays and birthdays, or simply just for yourself. Just go to drleaf.com for more details and to order. The link will also be in the show notes. If you enjoy my podcast and want to know how you can help me continue making them possible, please consider subscribing wherever you listen and leaving a five-star review. And please continue sharing this podcast with friends and family and on social media. And now on to today's interview. Dr. Dale Bredesen, you are amazing. You're one of my heroes. You know, when I've got your book, I think I've read, I've dog-eared almost every page. I keep thinking of, wow, wow, wow. And my reason for being so interested is because I've done 38 years of brain research, mind-brain research, and I've always believed Alzheimer's is something that you can reverse. And in my small way, I worked quite a lot with Alzheimer's and had quite a lot of success, but not to the extent where you have actually shown the world and given the world so much hope that Alzheimer's can be prevented and can be reversed. And that is just an out standing message considering the billions that have gone into trying to find the little elusive missing gene that's going to suddenly be corrected with a medicine. You've totally put that on its head and I want to thank you for that and I want to honor you for that and I'm so thrilled that you're going to come and tell us the truth about Alzheimer's today. So welcome and thank you. Thanks very much for having me, Caroline. It's going to be wonderful. So before we start, can you tell us a little bit about yourself that's not in your bio and how did you get to doing what you do? You know, what motivates you? I started out actually at Caltech. I was was interested in uh, how the brain functions. And as it went along, got interested in, you know, why, why do things go wrong with the brain? And of course, the thing that, that became very clear is that brain disease has, is, the, is the kind of the last frontier in that mm. it's the area where we have been the least successful. As someone said, everyone knows a 
cancer survivor, no one knows an Alzheimer's survivor. And yet, you know, something you know, we wanted to get out there and understand what is the actual cause? Could we understand the fundamental nature of the process of neurodegeneration, which is so common, Alzheimer's, yeah. body, body, on and on and on, ALS. This is such a problem. And Alzheimer's, as has been shown recently, now the third leading cause of death in the United States. It's a real problem. And so we wanted to understand why it had been so unsuccessful with the treatment. So starting with just what are the molecular details of the process that leads to the loss of synapses and cells. Mm, brilliant. And you know, you make a statement in your book, your book, by the way, this is a book that everyone needs to get in their hands. It's just, it's, it's, it's brilliant. It'll change your life totally. And I'm not just saying that just lightly, I mean it. You make a statement about Alzheimer's is, I'm going to read it. Let me say this as clearly as I can. Alzheimer's disease can be prevented. And in many cases, its associated cognitive decline can be reversed. I mean, that is one of the most hopeful statements and we need in today's climate. That's a really nice thing to have a hopeful statement. So can you just unpack that? Because that is what you've literally unpacked very, very well in this book with your research and clinical trials and the approach that you have developed. Thank you. And and by the way, so we've published, I didn't say that lightly, we've published now over 100 cases of documented improvement. Wow. Uh, in, in peer-reviewed journals in three different publications. And in all those cases, once you get improvement, you get sustained improvement because the idea is people have been looking at this disease incorrectly. And, and of course, it's, it's always hard to say, yeah, everybody was wrong. That uh, raises hackles on a lot of people, understandably. But the point is that if you look at the nature of this illness, what you find at the center of it is a set of molecules that are driving either synapse formation, we call these synaptoblastic, this is synaptoblastic signaling, much like osteoblasts that make your bone, this Mm -hmm. is synaptoblastic signals, then they are balanced by synaptoclastic signals. These are now pulling apart. And you have a beautiful balance when you're young. You're actively forgetting the seventh song that played on the radio on the way to work yesterday. You're actively remembering things like where your keys are, what you're going to do next, and all these things. And so as you get older, for many of us, unfortunately, there is an imbalance now. And of course, that's increased by specific genetics, such as ApoE4 positive, of which there are 75 million Americans. ApoE4 homozygous, there are about 7 million Americans, and they have increased risk. But those of us who are ApoE4 negative are also at some risk. And there are all these things. So we looked at the molecules driving this uh, ratio. And what we found is that there are different, there are, as I mentioned in the book, about 36 different things that actually play into this balance. And so the idea of taking a drug, and we always tell the patients, imagine you have a roof with 36 holes in it. You got to patch those holes to get the best result. You, you have a great image in your book of that. I thought that was really a clever way of visualizing it. Yeah, and the the thing is that you can then look, and so now you can see that patching one of them, and now drugs are very important for the future, no question about it, but they have failed as monotherapies because you're Mm -hmm. trying to patch 36 holes with one patch. And it really doesn't, that's not the way the biology works. It's a little bit like take, saying, okay, which instrument is the orchestra? 
well, okay, mm. you, know, you listen to one instrument after the other, after the other. None of them sound exactly like the orchestra. You've got to have them all playing together. And it turns out that that's what happens in a brain that is degenerating. You may have hormonal changes, trophic factor changes, inflammatory changes, traumatic changes, chemical toxicity changes. All of these things play into that balance. And so we want to change that balance. And so it's a very different way of looking at it. And what it tells you is that the armamentarium for preventing and reversing cognitive decline is not what we've been told, which is zero, just take a drug, it's not going to work. Yeah. The armamentarium is huge. It has to do with whether you're in ketosis. It has to do with whether you have sleep apnea. It has to do with whether you are in menopause. It has to do with whether you're in andropause and on and on and on. But the good news is, we can measure each of these different things so we can determine why your brain is in retreat, which is essentially what this is. This is synaptoporosis, very much like osteoporosis. You look at a whole set of things and you now change that balance from too much osteoclastic activity and not enough, sorry, synaptoclastic activity, not enough synaptoclastic. And now we're going to change that. We're going to give you a, a this, the appropriate signaling in your brain to make and keep new memories. Mm, I love it. So you explain Alzheimer's as something that where the housekeeping has gone wrong in the brain and you use the analogy of the Mickey Mouse and the magic, the brooms and these too many brooms and all kinds of things, that, that little analogy, which I thought was a really nice way. The, the narrative, as you know, the biomedical model has been so narrow minded in disease. And it's, I mean, I work in the field of mental health and, and learning and so on. And it's been, it's, it's been so damaging in that particular field, but it's been damaging in, in every field because it's nothing, as, as you've so beautifully described, it's not just one thing. And that's where functional medicine, and you talk a lot about functional medicine and bringing in ancient medicine as well, and Chinese medicine, we've got to look more holistically again at humans. So our scientific paradigm took us to a new level, but it also took us backwards. Sometimes I think we've gone forward 10 steps and back 10 to 20 in terms of how we view humans. And your approach is to look very holistically at the multiplicity of the 36 holes in the roof that are potentially causing it. And you've come to the conclusion that there's three different types of Alzheimer's. And it's basically not just this whole search to find one gene and one medication is totally the wrong approach. And all the years of amyloid beta being the big evil thing, meanwhile, that's a protective reaction. So you just turn everything on its head. So for a moment, most people that are listening to me now, listening to us now and the viewers are familiar with Alzheimer's has been one thing, a degenerative disease that once you've got it, that's it. You're just going to get it. You just have to learn to live with it and hope it won't progress too fast. And that they're looking for this magic underlying gene. And when they found it, yes, they found APO4, but now they're trying to find a medication to fix it. And there's a couple of medications that actually make it worse. So it's a hopeless situation. And that's what most people understand. Plaques, neurofibrillary tangles. That's the message that people have been told. Can you unpack the correct message and tell us why that message is wrong and tell us how your message is so much more accurate and as you said, a hundred published studies, clinical trials, people being seeing changes in preventing and also decline, stopping the decline. Right. So if you know, if you imagine that someone has tuberculosis, for example, and you didn't know the organism that was causing the tuberculosis, you could do a biopsy, and what you would see is this chronic inflammation. That's essentially what amyloid plaques are. They are chronic. They are part of the innate immune system. So it's telling you that you've got a chronic inflammatory process 
literally you are protecting yourself against mm. something or some set of things. And so then if you said, okay, the, all we have to do to get rid of TB is simply get rid of that inflammation. Of course, that would be completely backwards. You need to get rid of the, tuber the, the tubercle bacillus organism. Mm. So in Alzheimer's, the difference is we've got that inflammatory process, but it's not just one thing. It's not just the tuberculum bacillus, okay? Mm. It's now many things. It's dependent on your vitamin D status. It's dependent on your trophic factor status, all these various things. And so, in fact, what we want to do is go upstream. And that's why removing the amyloid has not been helpful mm -mm. because you're simply removing the chronic inflammation, which is there trying to protect you. And in fact, we've seen a number of people where they had antibodies to amyloid and clearly got worse each time mm -hmm. they got the antibodies to the amyloid. So, in fact, what you need to do is go upstream. And this is, again, this is part of changing, as you alluded to earlier. 20th century medicine was very successful when you could use a monotherapy. Mm -hmm. So, if you want to do something for tuberculosis, a good example, or for syphilis or, or leprosy or things mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. And, of course, HIV was a little more complicated and took three drugs to have a big impact. This is much more complicated than that. And so this is now part of 21st century illnesses. We are now, unfortunately, all of us pretty much dying of complex chronic illnesses, yes. such as Alzheimer's and cancer and cardiovascular disease. All of these things that have many different inputs. And I always make the analogy, if you took this problem to an engineer and you said, okay, I have this incredibly complicated machine called the human body. And it's got, you know, even the genome, 3.3 billion base pairs. Yeah. That's the simplest because it's unidimensional. You've got the exposome and the foldome and the interactome and the mm -hmm. microbiome and all these things yeah. that are playing in this amazing organism. And now you say, okay, it's not working correctly. And the engineer says, okay, can you give me some data? And you say, well, I can give you serum sodium, serum potassium. That's a joke. The exactly. engineer would laugh you out of the room. You need to know what's driving this. Now, the good news is the basic molecular biology showed us what are the things that are synaptoblastic? What are the things that are synaptoclastic? Because you can follow it on its effect on APP. APP is this molecular switch sitting in the middle, when things are good, it is cut at one site and you make two peptides that are saying, grow, make new synapses, go forward. It's very much like a country that's saying times are good. We're going to make new bridges and we're going to make new buildings and new partners and all that sort of stuff. On the other hand, that same molecule, which sits in your neurons, can be cut when things are bad, when things are too low, when there's inflammation going on you're now in protection mode. It's cut at three different sites. It produces four peptides, two that, that exit and go to other cells, two that are inside the cell. And these are now telling you things are bad. It's time to protect. It's time to withdraw. So you're literally saying, I'm going to have to downsize my brain a little bit to survive. Now, as you can imagine, mm. if you just continue the insults over time, the brain just keeps responding, responding. And so you have people who just get worse and worse and worse and worse. And the goal is not to get rid of the inflammation. The goal is to get rid of what's causing the inflammation. So good. And then allow this to heal. 
And so you've got to identify this. So you need to know what is the inflammatory status? What are the pathogens? If you've got P. gingivalis from your mouth in your brain, which is found repeatedly in the brains of Alzheimer's patients, Mm -hmm. you need to get rid of that. If you've Mm -hmm. got Borrelia, if you've got herpes simplex from your lip, then that enters the brain and that is producing the same response. And that's been uh, very clearly associated with Alzheimer's disease. In fact, there's a wonderful study out of Taiwan showing that those who actually treated the recurrent uh, outbreaks actually had a much lower, more than 50% lower risk for developing Alzheimer's disease. My goodness. So in fact, these things are the things that trigger our response and we need to know. And of course, at the same time, Mm -hmm. if you don't have enough support, you, you can't fight these things. And so, you again, you downsize and downsizing because you simply can't make the molecules that are required. So you really need to remove the source. You need to have resilience, build things up, and then mm-hmm. you need to rebuild. You need to basically trophic factors support to make the synapses that are needed. And we've got many, many examples now of people who clearly got better and most importantly, sustain their improvement. If you have a drug, you get a little blip and then you just go right back down to declining, of course, because you're not treating the cause. And the other hand, we have people who've gotten their driver's licenses back people who've gone back to work. And we've got now the longest ones. We started in 2012. So eight years in, we have people who have sustained their improvement for eight years. Before we continue with today's episode, I want to tell you about a life-changing product that everyone needs, Blue Blocks Glasses. I just finished writing my latest book, which will be out in March 2021, and spent countless nights writing and researching till the early mornings. I can honestly say this would not have been possible without Blue Blocks' blue light blocking glasses. Before using Blue Blocks glasses, I used to get the worst headaches staring at my computer and phone, which would also make me more moody and compromise my work and deplete my energy. After interviewing Andy, the founder of Blue Blocks, I realized just how important blocking artificial blue light is for mental and physical health. I cannot stress enough how these glasses have changed my life and made hard work a little less painful. Get 15% off your order today when you use the code DRLEAF at checkout. Just go to blueblocks.com and use the code DRLEAF at checkout. The link and details will be in the show notes. Gosh, this is incredibly exciting and so important. And just to stress for the viewers and the listeners that what we, what Dr. Dale is talking about is the, is, is the fact that we've approached this problem wrong. We've looked at the symptom and said the symptom is the problem and tried to say there's one symptom, the amyloid beta, beta, and then said, let's get rid of that. Meanwhile, that's telling us it's a warning signal that there's a whole host of things that are going wrong. And you can't approach this in this mono way, which, which is what current medicine is trying to do. It's a complex disease. So you've changed that and looked at it differently and you've even identified three different types of Alzheimer's and you've got to, we are going to get to this. I know the viewers and listeners are thinking, oh, what can I do? Well, this book and Dr. Dale has worked out how to identify plus a program. And we're going to talk about that once we've unpacked a little bit more about the cause and the inflammation, because I think it's really important for people to understand the multiplicity of the 36 holes in the roof in that an image that you give in, in your book. Just very quickly, I wanted to mention that with the work that I do, I developed a technique that also looks at its mind 
plant-based and it's looking at helping people to think differently to drive the neuroplasticity because you talk a lot about neuroplasticity and I did a lot of work in neuroplasticity over the years and so when I worked with Alzheimer's it was very much well let's drive the neuroplasticity in the right direction through a sustainable mind-driven and also boarding diets etc etc but it's a, it's basically going managing the stress factor and managing how you deal with your thinking feeling and choosing in every moment and you and you touch on this a lot in your book in terms of how stress causes inflammation and if we don't deal with that it's going to also add to this factor and you talk about things like homocysteine and we just found in our recent clinical trials that the, in our control all of our subjects had elevated homocysteine and and cortisol and you, you know, you'll explain more importantly why that's so dangerous for the brain in terms of Alzheimer's but we found once we were able to show people how to manage their mind manage their stress manage the day-to-day manage the trauma deal with all the toxicity of toxic traumas and toxic habits that you could be actually normalize the homocysteine levels and normalize the cortisol levels and saw changes in massive changes in brain because we use QEG so that's just one aspect and that was just so my subjects were literally when I, when I was reading your book literally were prime for Alzheimer's in terms of their lifestyle so that's why this is what you teaching is essential not just for if you suspect you have like you very much about prevention this is something we need to be proactive proactive about mind management proactive about preventing Alzheimer's okay so that was a long bit of background so that my viewers will now be really tuned in to understanding more of the causes and and the t- that these three types and so on if you can take it away from from there sure absolutely so you're right these things all play on that balance and so we're looking at you know everything that drives us and as you said it turns out that stress it turns out to be an important one and in fact interacting with stress receptors crf1 receptors actually turns out to be helpful for alzheimer's disease to prevent that interaction so stress unquestionable and I, you know as a lifetime scientist i was shocked to see how much things like toxicity, all the things that I was taught in medical school aren't really that important. Just, you know, uh-huh. make the diagnosis, start the drug. And it just, you know, I couldn't deny things that there are actually data for things like transcendental meditation. Yes. Or stress, so important. Exposure to specific metals like mercury, exposure to specific organic toxins like toluene, formaldehyde, glyphosate, and then exposure to things like biotoxins, like trichothesis, things made by molds. Mm. So most of this is not being recognized yet by the standard of care medical community. Mm. So when you go into a typical center of excellence quote for Alzheimer's, they look at a very small number of things and tell you, this is Alzheimer's. There's nothing that we can do. We'll give you a drug. It's not going to work very well. Mm. So that's the, that's the wrong approach. You, in mm. fact, to cast a wider net and ask, what are all the things that are driving this molecular process? We know if you're, if you're coming in for any problems with your cognition, you are already on the wrong side and may have been for 20 years. Yeah. Side of that synaptoblastic synaptoclastic balance. So we need to find out why, and then we need to readjust that so that you're now able to uh, make synapses again. And I should mention one of the most important things the earlier you get in, the easier it is to fix, and the better the fix tends to be. So we do have people very late stages, MOCA scores of zero, who have improved. But wow more, it's less common, and they don't go from zero to 30, typically. They, they get back things like they can speak again, they can dress again, 
They can ride their bicycles again. They can get on the internet again, things like that. Mm. I've had examples of that. But the people who are earliest stages, they virtually all do better. And so this is why we encourage people, please, anyone who's 45 years of age or older, please, just as you would get a colonoscopy when you turn 50, please get a cognoscopy. And that's pretty easy to do. You can actually even go mycognoscopy.com and get it. You can get it directly or you can get it with your doctor. And so the idea here is you want a set of blood tests that's looking at the right things. You want to have a simple online cognitive assessment, easy to do in about 20, 25 minutes. And then you want to have, if you're symptomatic, if you already have some symptoms, you want to have an MRI with volumetrics. If you don't have symptoms yet, you don't even need to do that. So we'd like to see everybody on prevention because we really do have mm. for the first time the ability to reduce the global burden of dementia. And that's the goal. Mm. This is a huge global problem affecting many millions. And so mm. that. And it's costing millions and it's, it's it's affecting millions. So if you go preventative, we are, it's a massive economic positive plus because as well, because you've got such a problem with when people do have Alzheimer's because they, they're living, they're still alive, but they're now non-functional. So it's costing so much money. You know, the, in terms of, I just wanted to come back to just very quickly, most people are familiar with the concept of, they just think it's okay, it's genetic, it's one gene. You know, this is the story that they've been sold. It's the narrative and that there is these two drugs out there. Now you've shown, you show clearly in your book that, that those drugs, those, they don't work that that and that, and the, sometimes 50 million a, a clinical trial is put into trying to find it and you show how that actually you explain very well how that isn't the answer so I, what i'd love to do now is if you could just briefly explain that and then let's talk more about the cognoscopy and how if you don't mind because i know you've got a lot of information on that in the book too then let's talk start talking maybe a little bit about the the treatment side Sure, sure. So the issue with the drugs is just, and there have been over 400 clinical trials. And as you mentioned, some of these trials are costing $50 million for a single trial, a phase three trials. And they've all failed except for just a very small number. And Aricept and, and Nemenda, of course, are the, are the two major ones that people prescribe. And as mentioned by you know, a number of people, that the, the families who were involved with the trials for Nemenda could not tell who was on placebo and who was on Nemenda. It was that minor of a difference. And of course, Aricept has a modest effect, uh, but you go right back down to declining because again, you're not actually hitting what's causing the problem. So you might get a little bump. And one of the biggest problems is people will cold turkey it. They just stop suddenly. Mm. And that actually makes you worse because Aricept is inhibiting a specific enzyme, which your body responds by now making more of the enzyme. Yeah. So if you now suddenly stop it, you're really in bad shape. So for anyone who's on that, please either don't stop it, or if you do it, do it very, very With tool. Exactly. Yeah. And so the idea is quite different. As you mentioned, first we subtype. So we say, what, what's driving this? And so there's type one, which is inflammatory, type two, which is atrophic. It's saying that you, know, you don't have enough trophic support. And then there's actually a combination of those two, which is called type 1.5 or glycotoxic. Yeah. This is for people who become insulin resistant and have the double problem of having glucose glommed on to many of their proteins. And of course, we measure this as hemoglobin A1C, but it's mm. hundreds of proteins that this that get glycated and that mm. causes inflammation and, and dysfunction. But they also have insulin resistance. So they've got some of the type two. Their brains are not responding to insulin in the way that they should. 
And insulin is an important trophic factor mm. for your brain. When we used to grow neurons in a dish, of course, you have to include insulin to get them to survive. So that's mm-hmm. type 1, 1.52. And then type 3 is toxic, and it can be from those three different types of toxins, metals and other inorganics, organic toxins, as I mentioned earlier, and then biotoxins. Things often made by mold can also be made by bacteria and things like that, but they actually make toxins to try to survive in the world. I mean, that's where penicillin came from. Yeah. Penicillin is a you know, mold's ability to survive by killing the bacteria around it. So they also try to kill us. Mm. These toxins, trichothecenes, I mean, essentially it's like penicillin for humans <laughs> instead of bacteria, which is unfortunate. And so um, this damages our brain, it damages our immune system, it damages our kidneys sometimes, can give us cancers, these things, and they're not being evaluated, and yet they're very important. And then type four, we, so we identified other ones, vascular is type four, traumatic is type five. So, you know, again, I, I didn't believe in any of this alternative medicine stuff before we started, but I simply can't deny the data This is really showing you why you are developing dementia and how you can prevent it and reverse it. And so when we then subtype people and say, okay, you have mostly an inflammatory type, and it turns out that the pathogens are herpes simplex or HHV6A, which is another common one, or you have the atrophic type. Okay, now what we want to do is we want to focus on that. We want to address that. And we start by getting people and, you know, that people say, well, wait a minute, you mean this has something to do with diet? Well, yes. I mean, it actually has, that's part of it. That's not the only part. And people mm-hmm. will say, oh, all you're talking about is lifestyle. No, what we're talking about is attacking the thing that's actually causing your brain to degenerate. And that may be specific pathogens that we identify or toxins. We have many, many people, and unfortunately, more than half the people who have cognitive decline turn out to have exposure to various toxins that they're unaware of. And so we actually have to slowly detox these people. And as their toxicity level comes down, they begin to improve. And you really have to stick with it. It takes three to six months. You got to really stick with it to get this down. And they often have to continue mild detoxing for years to get the best outcome. So you want to continue to tweak this. So yes, we start with diet, which turns out to be important. You need to generate ketones or take ketones. Mm. One way or another, part of the problem in Alzheimer's is energy failure. Mm. You do not have the support for your brain that you need to accomplish these various things, make the synapses and keep the synapses. And as has been shown by a number of people, you can help that by generating or taking ketones. Wow. And you want get your ketone level up between one and four millimolar beta-hydroxybutyrate to get best results. People Mm. who get up there do better than the ones who are down at 0.2, 0.4, 0.5. So, and then you can do that partly by diet. We call the diet part KetoFlex 12-3. But again, it's, it's one part of a much bigger program. Exercise turns out to be very helpful because, in fact, you need to develop this insulin sensitivity. And it also helps you, by the way, to develop ketosis. Uh, Very, very helpful. And it turns out that many people, part of the problem is that they are not supporting with oxygenation 
the cells in their brain. They have vascular damage. They have you know sedentary lifestyles. So in fact, it turns out sleep apnea is another big one. So we have many, many people where sleep apnea is one of the contributors to the problem. And addressing that turns out to be very, very helpful. So sleep, mm-hmm. huge. Stress mm-hmm. management, just as you said earlier, turns out to be huge. If you are stressed out all the time, you are increasing your risk for dementia. There's no question mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. And then brain training, and then specific targeted hormones if needed, and then any drugs that are needed. So these things all work mm-hmm. together. Brain training turns out to be very helpful. Mm-hmm. And again, brain training by itself is helpful for some people. But as you progress, you need more than just brain training. So you need to basically you know, get all your ducks in a row, get the whole yeah. orchestra playing together. Yes. And then, you know, just the, the CD improvement is, is very, very exciting as people you know, begin to get better. And this, you know, you have to remember it's a chronic illness. People had the underlying pathophysiological changes for often over a decade before they are now getting treatment, which is, again, why we mm. tell people, please come in as early as possible. We have a number of people who've come in for prevention. And when we evaluate them, we say, well, wait a minute, you're already into MCI. You just didn't realize it because this does sneak up on you. Uh, as it's insidious. Mm. It's insidious. And so therefore, you want to get in as early as possible. Mm, this is incredible. I just interviewed a, a doctor recently who's doing research around menopause and, and how that's actually a brain issue and Dr. Moscone and she's also talking about how it's so important for women to recognize and you mentioned menopause is to recognize the importance of your brain and hormones and everything in terms of Alzheimer's as well. And then there's also talk of Alzheimer's being like a diabetes type three and you've and you've referenced that in terms of the insulin that we've got to recognize. So what you've painted is a picture here, a very holistic picture. You've pretty much shifted how you practice medicine and your philosophy from what I'm hearing you say in terms of the research that you've done. You've actually, you said three in your book, but you actually identified five types of Alzheimer's. So it's, it's increasing. So there's a multiplicity of causes that are contributing to neurodegeneration. So that's maybe a more accurate. So we got so stuck on the words Alzheimer's that maybe that's not the right word even anymore. Or is it? Is it more neurodegeneration we should be talking about or... That's a really good point, and it brings up a couple of interesting issues. So one is, and as I mentioned in the book, you know, we, we should not ever follow the term Alzheimer's with a period. Alzheimer's due to what? You know, it's kind of like saying fever. All, saying Alzheimer's is a little bit like saying fever. So back in the 1600s, it was acceptable to say, oh, yeah, he died of fever. But mm-hmm. in fact, now we say, well, fever due to what? You know, did you have streptococcus? Yeah. We have staff, and what was it? So Alzheimer's due to what? That's the key. Mm-hmm. And the second thing it brings up is, okay, well, what about other neurodegenerative diseases? So we've started a project which is called the ARC project, A-R-K, because in the, of course, Noah's Ark, it was two by two by two. So yeah. we're looking at small numbers of people with each neurodegenerative disease. And the idea here is that the, the model that we developed shows that neurodegeneration is due to this mismatch that I mentioned earlier. Mm, mm. Each of these diseases, there is a different biochemical mismatch, but in common is that there is a neuronal subsystem going to be different in Parkinson's, different in Lewy body, different in Alzheimer's, ALS. But in each case, there's a subsystem that requires certain things and that is pushed out of balance by a certain set of insults. So the question is, can we identify for each of these 
the critical subsystem mismatch. And of mm-hmm. course, if you look at Parkinson's, there's a simple example. It has turned out that the critical feature there is inhibition of complex one of the mitochondria. And that links into protein degradation, specific kinase activity, et cetera. It is a disease of motor modulation. So what happens when you don't have the energy of your mitochondria, complex one, you slow down. You can hold Mm. still. It's a different disease with a different mismatch, but the idea is the central concept is the same. So the question is, can Mm. we do all of these by adjusting the biochemistry for the mismatch for that particular subsystem. And we'll see. We just have the first few people with various things, and it's, it looks promising so far, but, but let's see. Feeling stressed, anxious, overwhelmed? You're not alone. In fact, everyone struggles with some level of mental distress. Personally, I struggle with anxiety due to work and family demands. Running a business and being a mom of four is hard work. So, in addition to using and practicing good mental hygiene and my mind management techniques, I was searching for additional help. Then I discovered Feels. Feels is premium CBD delivered directly to your doorstep. Their products can naturally help reduce stress, anxiety and pain when coupled with good mind management. It's easy to use, just place a few drops under your tongue and feel the difference within minutes. If you're new to CBD and a little worried or hesitant, Feels offers free CBD hotline to help guide your personal experience. Feels works naturally to help you feel better. There's no high, hangover or addiction. Feels has me feeling my best every day and it can help you too. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash drleaf and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash drleaf to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Feels.com slash drleaf. The link and offer details will also be in the show notes. Well, that's wonderful. So your approach is, I like that. So Alzheimer's because of what? It's also, if I translate that back into what's happening in the world of mental health, they've done exactly the same thing. They've said depression is a clinical disease. I mean, there's no, first of all, there's no scientific foundation for that. But then they've done with Alzheimer's, it's like an it. And it's this, then you can, you know, narrow down in a very neuroreductionistic biomedical way till that's it. And there's one medication, match it to the medication. And as we know, it's been a disastrous route because 30 years later, we have a worse problem than we had before. And not only that, we we now have people that are more at risk for neurodegeneration because of the drugs that have been given for that kind of approach. So psychotropic, psycho, the psychotropics are setting people. There's so many studies now showing the link between psychotropics, the antidepressants and so on, and Alzheimer's and, 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 and all types of neurodegeneration. You know, that, that confirmed thing. So we've also got a whole generation of people, 30 years of people, 40 years of people using these psychotropics from as young as eight years of age, sometimes even two, that are growing up into adulthood and getting early neurodegenerative diseases and we're thinking, what's going on? And, and you've, you've, you've said exactly what's going on. We have to stop taking names, making them it's and trying to find one lot of symptoms in one drug, whether it is Alzheimer's, cancer, depression, we've got to start looking at the narrative of the whole person. We've got to start looking at the whole story. If there is that mold, why? And detox it. If there is this, that, and then that causes this. You, it's never just one thing. It's this holistic, traditional, ancient approach, isn't it, that, that we're talking about and that you're studying? 
That's exactly right. And really what has to happen is we're marrying the holistic approach and looking at the, a larger data set to high tech. So now, you know, we love it. Interesting to me that, you know, Google knows where you're shopping and is following you around and knows where you're going. And there's all this yeah. wonderful technology for sales, but the same wonderful technology hasn't been used for things that are much more important, which exactly. are in my generation, I'm going to get depression, yeah. I'm going to get schizophrenia, ADHD, autism, all these things. We need larger data sets. We need the ability to look at many different pieces. And I think where that you're beginning to see that coming is with things like Apple Watches and continuous mm-hmm. glucose monitoring and things like that. So mm-hmm. we'll, we will have more quantified selves biochemically over time. And this will give us an idea, okay, what is actually driving this problem? As you mentioned, depression, a huge issue. Mm. And, oh, just take an antidepressant. Well, why did you get depression? Why did you get hypertension? You know, this idea, oh, just give me an antihypertensive. Well, wait a minute, that's not changing why you have hypertension. So you need to understand for each of these. And as you know, you know, many people with depression, it turns out to be leaky gut and ongoing yeah. systemic inflammation. Some yeah. it's a hormonal issue. This is very much like the Alzheimer's story. There are different things that can contribute and you need to hit the things that are actually and target the things that are actually causing the problem. That is 21st century medicine. That is precision medicine. Oh, I love it. Precision medicine, 21st century medicine. And the way you describe that with depression, because a lot of people who listen to this show, that's a big issue. We talk about that all the time. And But how you just said it's so beautiful, how beautifully said the way you've described depression almost along how you how you approach Alzheimer's, that there's why you're depressed. You've got to find the root cause. You've got there's different reasons. It's not just you can't say depression isn't it. Like you can't say Alzheimer's isn't it. We can't say anything isn't it. And as we advance medically and technology, I'm sure you've seen the population statistics with all these advances in medicine and technology, the, the people are dying younger than they, they there's been a reversal of the tre- decades long trend of people living longer. So something happened, really went wrong in the last 30 years. And it's almost like we've taken good science and used it badly. And, you know, that's what you are saying in your work. And that's how I really see your work is that you've changing how we should approach science and how we should approach research when you look at anything. You can't just look at it as one aspect. You've got to look at it in multiplicity. In the clinical trials that I've done, which is based on all my years of research as well, looking in this direction of mind management. We had uh, patients that came in with anxiety, depression, etc. diagnosed the traditional way, nothing working. I work on mind in terms of neuroplasticity, in terms of over time changing, getting, dealing with the stress factors, the chronic, the acute, the trauma, the toxicity, all that kind of stuff. So it's a program that I've worked out that they go through in an app. And what we saw in 21 days was major neuroplastic changes in terms of them managing depression. And the depression, literally the sleep problems, the depression, etc. reduced. But Matt was managed and at six, day 63, it was sustained and at six months later, still sustained. Now, that doesn't mean depression is an it that we fixed. What we did, the whole purpose was what you've been saying. What is the cause? So if you depress, depression is simply the signal. What are the underlying causes? Is it a toxic trauma? Is it a toxic thought habit? Is it a toxic that you're chronically day to day, how you're managing your stress day to day? So I trained them how to find those multiplicity, almost like your different subtypes of Alzheimer's. And that approach teaches people, gives people autonomy. And when you have autonomy, you have awareness and self-regulation, and then you can control toxic stress. And that is why we saw the changes. And then the subjects that were in the control group, because we did a double blind, you know, the 
typical random control. They didn't get mind management, but they got awareness and they got worse. You know, they, their homocysteine levels shot off the roof. And I'm thinking, gosh, these people, they are uh, absolutely set up for neurodegeneration. So, I, you know, I just say that to say that, that this is vital. What you're saying is absolutely vital for, for the, the general public to fight for their own health, is to find out about, that's why I interview people like you, is to find out about this kind of thing. Because we literally, in this day and age, 21st medicine is the, the patient has to be involved in their treatment. They have to become informed and have the knowledge. And you provide that in, in your book so and in your programs. Can we talk about your, your organization that you've built and how people can get the cognoscopies and how maybe these practitioners listening now, I have a lot of physicians that listen in, how they could learn to get involved with you, get trained, how people as individuals can, can get involved from the evaluation side. And then can we talk about the treatment that we've been indicating, but I'd like to dive in a little bit more to what can be done. Right. So we, we realize that we need to have computer-based algorithms to help us to look at all these different inputs to say, okay, who, you know, who's got mostly type one, type two, what's, what's actually going on here? We typically right now are looking at 150 different variables, but you know, the reality is it should ultimately be millions. So again, we need to have a good partnership between the medicine and the technology. And so we're interacting with a group from Silicon Valley, and this is called Apollo Health. And so now part of Apollo Health, and you, this is where you can get a cognoscopy through Apollo Health. The idea here is that this group worked with me on RICO. This is a group led by Lance Kelly with Bill Lippa and Sho Okada and a number of other people very experienced with writing code and very experienced as software engineers. And so we develop what we call Recode, which is for reversal of cognitive decline. I love it. Coming out with Precode, which is for prevention of cognitive decline. And this allows people then to look at all the different variables and to say, okay, what are my greatest risks or what are the greatest drivers for my cognitive decline? And then generate an optimal program. Because, of course, it's going to be different for each person depending on what is actually driving the process. As you mentioned, homocysteine, very very common. Many people have high homocysteines. It is a risk factor for mm-hmm. Alzheimer's disease. On the other hand, some people have optimal homocysteines. And I should add that you know, the, what's been called within normal limits is not always what's optimal. Thank you for saying that. Sorry, I had when we were analyzing our results, I consulted with so many doctors. At the end of the day, I ended up going to functional medicine doctors because they gave me the ranges. Because I knew if you have got, like you say, and I think homocysteine should be around six, seven MCG. Okay, so now they're up at the optimal, the standard of care, optimal range is nothing even remotely close to that. So it's just overlooked. Sorry, I just had to say that. That is so relevant. Yes, and some nice work out of the UK a number of years ago showed that as you go above six, you now are very linear relationship with how rapidly you have atrophy developing in your gray matter in your hippocampus. And they showed also yes. that if you improve it, then in fact you do not have that that accelerated atrophy of the brain. We saw that in our subjects, the ones, once we gave the, the mind management, the homocysteine was high. The hippocampal, because we use QEEG, we saw the dysfunction, terrible dysfunction in that area. And then after 21 days, 63 days, six months, we saw the change totally normalizing, going back to normalized levels of homocysteine and the change over the hippocampal area. I mean, it's we saw it. Again, you know, these all work together. We know when yeah. you 
right. You know, you see the impact, people feel the impact, and they sustain the impact. Yes. And you objectively. And we do the same thing. We look at hippocampal volumes, but we also look at electrophysiology. So we're looking specifically at your P300B, for example, which is essentially how long it takes you to recognize a change in pattern, also to your mm-hmm. dominant alpha rhythm. So you see across the board as people address the right things that drive this process. This is fantastic. So people can go and you've partnered with technology through Apollo Health and they can go and get a cognoscopy done. And then you train up these quite a few physicians that have been trained. Is that correct? Yeah. So we've trained over 1,500 physicians in 10 different countries and all over the U.S. So you can go to a trained physician and you can again see that on the Apollo Health Co. website. And then we now have over 500 physicians, but now they're on a waiting list for the next. So we have Recode 2.0, which will be coming out in July, we have some wonderful experts, Dr. Neil Nathan, who's really a world expert on biotoxins, and Dr. Mm-hmm. Anne Hathaway, who's a world expert on bioidentical hormone replacement, mm-hmm. Cyrus Raji, who's a tremendous neuroradiologist, and on and on, experts talking, Dr. Chris Shade, uh, one of the world experts on chemotoxicity. Mm-hmm. So all of these various experts talking about these pieces and how to identify, how to get the right lab tests, how to get the right responses and which treatments are critical. Wow, that's amazing. Sorry, so you're actually bringing all these experts in and instead of them working in isolation, you're bringing them all together and it's going to be in, in uh, captured into the cognoscopy kind of so that so people can, you can start, you're going to identify even, so you, you, you're putting all the potential causes of neurodegeneration and the expert ways of identifying the causes and then looking, which will then bring us solutions. And you're doing that partnered with technology and experts. And that's what Apollo does. Outstanding. So this will be training for the, the newest version of Recode 2.0 so that physicians and, and practitioners and neuropsychologists and nurses health coaches can all take the training. And of course, we're, we're doing a separate one, which is actually for caretakers, because everybody should know wow. something. Mm. what is actually driving. Why is this person worse today? What are some things I can do to make things better for this person? So I think it's, mm. it's critical for all of us to understand what is actually driving the process instead of being stuck in the 20th century where we don't know what it is. It's a one disease, you know, where there's nothing to do about it. Just give the medicine. It's a really a hopeless state that people mm. have been in. And yeah. changed. We're in the 21st century now and we need mm. to embrace the new model of these illnesses. Mm, I, I love it. It's and it's, it's it applies to. I keep coming back to, it, but it applies to mental health as well because it's also so the mind changing the brain. So you can't. We've got to stop looking at clinical diagnosis. The, the the concept of a clinical diagnosis of depression and anxiety and schizophrenia. These are so limiting. It's doing this. It's exactly the same thing as what you've described with Alzheimer's and Parkinson's, etc. We have to look at it differently. We have to bring it into the twenty first century. And these things are all comorbid anyway. It's comorbid plus, but you can find underlying causes, and the causes could be different and multiple couldn't they? You could have, if there's 25 different causes, you could have five of them or 10 of them. Or And by the way, we have never seen a case that has only one cause. There so we go. Contributors and typic- the typical person who has some degree of cognitive decline has between 10 and 25 contributors. Wow. 10 and 25 contributors for anyone who has some sort of neurodegenerative. 
And now that doesn't mean there isn't one that's dominant. So we want to certainly go after that one. But there are, as you said, there are many others that are often contributing as well. And that's where it does fit into the concept and in a very, very scientific way of lifestyle disease, that we do have to address the way that we're running our lifestyles because our lifestyles are exposing us to the modern American diet and toxins and no stress management and all these different factors that are contributing to the underlying causes of the neurodegenerative patterns we're seeing in the brain that are manifesting all these different things. And there's so much, wow, this is brilliant. So some of the treatment side, so the cognoscopy is the ident is the tool to diagnose and this incredibly 21st century tool that is matching the best of medicine with the best of technology and bringing it together in a very comprehensive way. Treatment wise, once you've identified causes, then you obviously, can we talk a little bit about the treatment? And what do you call that? That's the recode, isn't it, that you call? Reversal of cognitive decline, yeah. So the idea, again, is that there is a core piece that we want to do with everyone, and that it does include KetoFlex 12.3 specific diet, where yeah. you we call it KetoFlex 12.3 because it is mild. You want to drive your brain and body into mild ketosis. It is flexitarian. You, know, you want to be a vegetarian, that's fine. You want to have some meat and fish, that's fine. We'd like to you know, have wild-caught fish. We'd like to have pastured beef and we'd like to have a pastured chicken and grass-fed beef, you know, eggs, fine. By the way, most people in America are choline deficient. Yes. Choline is critical. And and by the way, you need it to make acetylcholine, which is critical in memory. Memory, yeah. So most of us are choline deficient. Uh, One of the things that I've been doing during the COVID-19 is I started doing chronometer for myself. So check each day and see. And of course, I found out very quickly I'm not getting enough choline in my diet. So, you know, most of us are deficient in iodine, in potassium, in magnesium, in zinc, in choline. Many of us have leaky guts. It turns Mm. out that's a critical thing. So we start with the diet. It's critical. You need to heal up your gut. If you have a chronically leaky gut, which so many of us have, have, then you are going to increase your risk for Alzheimer's and you need feel that as part of your improvement. Again, more and more coming out about how important the gut microbiome is. As you may know, every year I host an end-of-the-year mental health summit. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, I'm excited to announce we will be making this a virtual summit December 3rd through 6th. So, if you've always wanted to attend but couldn't due to flights or other commitments, now is the time. In this summit, you will learn simple, practical, and scientific strategies to help you clean up your mental mess and live your healthiest and happiest life. This summit will also include guest speakers such as Dr. Daniel Amen, Dr. Will Cole, Dr. Nicola Perra, Dr. Henry Cloud, and celebrity Michelle Williams from Destiny's Child. We will have sessions on how to overcome trauma, what to eat and do for optimal brain health, how to deal with toxic words and people, how to set boundaries, how to use my five steps to detox your brain, and so much more. We will also be offering CMEs and CEUs. Registration is now open and we are offering a special early bird discount just till October 15. Your registration includes access to all sessions, discounts on online products, recordings of all sessions after the event and special downloads and workbooks. Register now at drleafconference.com. The link and more details will be in the show notes.
You know, we always think of uh, the gut microbiome, as you say, it's becoming more and more of a thing. And I'm so glad you've spoken about ketosis. And I love that you talk about the flex, flexitose being flexible within that. Absolutely. And how you need ketones for your brain. I mean, I'm totally for this. We live a keto lifestyle ourselves. But what, what I think is it's just so vitally important that people recognize that flexibility within the diet and how important it is to focus on the diet. But also that how mind is also so involved with the gut microbiome. And that's, that's a big area of work that I've done is that you with your just not managing your mind, just getting in a constant state of being in toxic stress. Stress is good for you, as you know, but if you don't manage it, it becomes toxic. That damages the gut lining. And people still have to make that connection. And this is what I'm finding in my work, that it makes logical sense if I'm missing coline, I can put that back in. That makes sense to people. But when people don't realize that your toxic thought can cause as much damage to your microbiome as the lack of a proper ketogenic diet or whatever, that's where they find in my work is there's a massive gap there too. In the, and I try and teach people a lot about that. I just wanted to throw that in because I know you touch on stress and mind as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And having appropriate probiotics, prebiotics, oh. these turn out to be huge because as you said, you do. If you look at the gut microbiome in a person with Alzheimer's compared to a person without Alzheimer's, they are different. And in mm. fact, improving your gut microbiome is helpful for your cognition. So that's critical. And then exercise, you want to get both the strength training, which is what is going to help mm -hmm. your insulin sensitivity, and the aerobic side, which helps your ketosis, which mm -hmm. helps the oxygen supply to your brain. These things are all critical. So, yeah, sleep, critical. So many people will tell me, oh, you know, I don't need to get my nocturnal oxygen status checked because I really don't have sleep apnea. Guess what? When they finally check it, they find out, oh my gosh, my oxygen level is dropping. My saturation is dropping when mm -hmm. I sleep. Turns out that improving that is very helpful. And then stress management, as you said, brain training, as I mentioned earlier. And then the thing is, there is a whole set of things that turn out to be very helpful. So for example, looking at there's a thing called whole coffee fruit extract. There's actually a thing which increases your brain-derived neurotrophic mm. factor, which is critical. That is an anti-Alzheimer trophic factor, which mm. is increased a small amount by exercise, but is actually increased to a greater extent by this whole coffee fruit extract. So it increases DNA. Mm. There is magnesium 3NA. There's another one that's been evaluated by a group at MIT. Very interesting effects. The brain, the 3NA carries the magnesium into the brain. People with Alzheimer's are typically deficient in their hippocampal region in magnesium. Mm -hmm. So that's important. And then getting appropriate hormonal support. Mm -hmm. if, you're, if you are slightly hypothyroid, which so many of the people are who have cognitive changes, then you need to, to optimize that once again. No question, estradiol, very helpful mm. for brain so support. Mm. And of course, BHRT went out of favor with the WHI study years mm. ago. That's turning out to be largely due to a synthetic progesterone. Exactly, yeah. So that's an issue. And then, of course, mm. having appropriate progesterone levels turns out to be critical for optimal detox. Yeah. So to detoxify is related to your progesterone level. And if it's very low, you're not going to detox as well. Mm. And then certain things like vitamin D turns out to be mm. deficient. Many, many of us are deficient in vitamin D. And it turns out that that is actually huge. Vitamin D, of course, binds to its receptor, mm. enters the nucleus, affects the production in over 900, transcription of over 900 different genes. So it does literally change your programming and support your 
synaptic formation. So having an optimal vitamin D level turns mm. out to be absolutely critical. You mentioned homocysteine earlier, addressing that. And you can address that typically with methyl B12, methylfolate, or also with hydroxocobalamin. And then with a a P5P, paradoxal 5-phosphate, the active form of B6. Again, human brains are complicated. Mm -hmm. So getting these many things together very helpful. And by the way, this is the way the reason I wrote chapter four in the book, which is about how to give yourself Alzheimer's. So it just goes through, here are the things, if you really want to give yourself Alzheimer's, you know, here's Do what this. you <laughs> I loved it. I thought that was so good. <laughs> many of us are saying, oh my gosh, I'm doing a lot of these things right now. Yeah. You know, many of us are giving ourselves high risk for Alzheimer's by the things we are doing. Mm. And then again, there are things coming on the horizon, things like you know, methylene blue, which again, I have to say, I never believed in this, turning out to have some interesting effects in electron transfer. Wow. And then stimulation. So Violite, as you probably know, came out of some work from MIT also. And looking at stimulation at specific frequencies of the mm. brain and showing that this actually supports memory formation. And yeah. we do people who get on the protocol and do well, but then do better as they tweak. So part of this, again, Mm -hmm. is a different way to think about medicine. You don't take a prescription, go home, and then forget about it. You're tweaking, you're improving, you're optimizing over the months. And we see people all the time who will improve, plateau, then they tweak things, they improve more, they improve more, Mm -hmm. they move upward. And part of that is ongoing brain stimulation. And there is light-related stimulation, there's magnetic stimulation, the thing called MERT, M-E-R-T, which is magnetic-related stimulation. There are others as well. So all of these things, again, work together to improve your synaptoblastic to synaptoclastic Mm -hmm. ratio. And and a big factor driving all of that is you as a person driving the way that you think, feel, and choose about everything in life, and making the decision to do all this stuff, and using controlling your mind, which has been which has been a huge, which has been my work for all these years. That we've got to listen and learn from people like yourself, which is a mind decision to get that knowledge to be able to do this stuff, and that in itself is preventing neurodegeneration. Just the mere learning of new knowledge to improve your health, that kind of thing. So that's just another factor to put in there. You also talk about what you're saying. There's two things I want to say here. I want to do quickly ask you about DHEA and statins but before I do that is I want people to hear what you're saying it's a lot to process but we're not telling you to go and take everything that's a dangerous approach don't go to your local health shop and just go and okay what was that list and just go and that's the worst thing you can do you need to do this professionally and that's why there is this cognoscopy that can work out what is exactly going on and what's the best combination and then it's an ongoing progressive organically developing thing it's not a one size fits all which is what unfortunately the medical model has presented this is it that's the treatment boom. It's not like that. It's a huge complex thing. What you may not need coline, someone else may need it, etc, etc. I just want to stress that because people sometimes will not go straight to a health shop and go and buy extra this and this and this and that's not the way to do this. It's got to be done properly and with the best formulations and so on. Can I ask you about, just quickly about DHEA and cortisol and the DHEA cortisol ratio because we found that quite interesting in our study how that, because I know blood, look, blood's not a marker of mental health but it certainly is, it's going to catch, it's going to play a catch-up game. So over time those markers are going to tell us something something in terms of how we're managing mind and body health and so on. Because you mentioned in your book about DHEAS being very important as well. And just coming back to what you said earlier, that, that yes, you know, 
this is complicated, but this is why you know, brain health coaches, health coaches are out there. They can help you. Exactly. And you just doing one thing at a time and then slowly adding and slowly adding, you know, don't let it overwhelm you. You know, everyone can, can do this. Right? Yes. Get on one thing, help, have your health coach help you and, and continue to optimize. And as far as DHEA, yes, we find it's, it's interesting. We find that most of the people are deficient in both pregnenolone, so really mm-hmm. the upstream, you know, master hormone, and DHEA. And of course, as you know, DHEA tends to be reduced over time as we age. It is related to our stress pathways. And pregnenolone, both to the sex pathways and the stress pathways, of course. And there's this so-called pregnenolone steal, where people are using their pregnenolone for the stress pathways, and so they don't have it available for the sex steroids, for the androgens and the estrogens and things Mm -hmm. like that. So this is common. And, you know, again, it's, these are people where it's been at a high level and they've literally just run out of gas, much mm-hmm. the way uh, that happens with insulin. You go along for years with this high insulin level. Most of these people will have insulin resistance for years. And then ultimately you crash. You mm-hmm. simply cannot keep up. Mm-hmm. And so now you actually begin to have diabetes. And type 2 diabetes is a major risk factor for Alzheimer's disease. It approximately doubles your risk in some studies even higher than that. So there's an increased risk for Alzheimer's with type 2 diabetes and of course with metabolic syndrome, which is a big risk factor and very, very common. There are over 100 million Americans who have insulin resistance. It's, it's a huge issue. So uh, I would agree, you know, the DHEA critical and part of the overall treatment, we do optimize people's pregnenolone, DHEA, and estradiol, progesterone, and, and testosterone as well. I just wanted to bring that in because they're so vitally important for brain health and can be so badly affected by stress and mismanagement of mind as and just all these lifestyle factors that you've mentioned, everything, it's never just one cause. I, I know we've said that a million times, but people cannot hear that enough. It's never just one cause. It's always a multitude of factors. And we have to try and pass out which are your combination and then move forward, which is what you're doing so beautifully with the, the, cognos- the cognoscopy and the recode. Two questions quickly. One is you don't have to be over 45 to do the cognoscopy. You can come as if, you, if people can come when they're younger, can't they? Or is it is it age specific? Are you open? Is this open to because the younger generation are getting things, we seeing things earlier in the younger generation than we did before. Of course, it used to be that you think of Alzheimer's as a disease of the aged, you know, people 60s, 70s, 80s, mm-hmm. 90s. It turns out that this begins about 20 years before that. So this is exactly. really the disease of your 40s, 50s, 60s, that then you show up with dementia later. The other thing that's important to recognize, we when I was training back in the 1980s, we never saw people in their 50s with Alzheimer's disease. Yes, I trained in the 80s too. We also did, and all my patients I treated were in the 70s and 80s. Exactly. And now one of the most common things we see is people's, people in their 50s developing Alzheimer's disease. So big changes. So yes, certainly if it's in your family, you might consider in your late 30s, early 40s, Probably not something you you can do general things to help yourself in your 20s, but it's probably not something you need to worry about in your 20s. But certainly when you're in your early to mid 40s, just start thinking that, hey, this is when the changes that will ultimately give me Alzheimer's in 20 years are beginning. So this is when I really want to look at this carefully. So yeah, this, this is a disease that is 
much more of a midlife disease than we ever thought possible. And in fact, mm. you probably know there's a group in, in colleges now talking about, uh, you know, how can we make sure that we have optimal cognition in the future? And of course, this is not ultimately cognition is not just about Alzheimer's. No. It's about optimizing your ability to do all the things that you want to do. So exactly. in fact, college students can improve. And I mentioned this in the next book, college students can improve their abilities by doing the right things, by looking at what you know, what's right, what's wrong, do they have ongoing inflammation? Of course, so many of them have depression, anxiety, mm-hmm. things, which are driven by some of the same factors that give you Alzheimer's in later life. Thank you for saying that, because that's where I was ultimately going with my question, because what I saw in my clinical trials, and I worked with, with millennials, but and also in my, in my practice, when I practiced for 25 years, the majority of my patients, I took all the ones everyone else wrote off because they didn't want to work with them. And it was generally your your 12 to 25, sometimes 35, so that, that, that age group. And I found in my most recent clinical trial that, because we looked at telomeres and things as well, is that the millennials were worse off than the people in their 50s and the 60s and the 70s. And so I think these are, you know, there's not I think, I know there's enough evidence that, that we need to actually start addressing this now because the patterns that I saw in the millennials in my study were frightening. And I know it's not the first, there were a lot. Biological ages that were 20 years younger, older than their chronological ages and stress levels in the brain that I mean, that's just a, a, a disaster, Alzheimer's disaster or de- neurodegeneration just waiting to happen. It's happening in front of their blood work. So I think, you know, I hear you talking. I mean, I almost feel like people need to, cognoscopy, the concept needs to be addressed so much sooner. So I'm very glad you brought bringing out another, or brought out, you're bringing out a new book. Is it a new book that's coming out on? The book the, coming out in August. Okay, fantastic. Okay, so I've just finished a book now. I've just finished over just in its final edit stages, my 18th book on the mind management and trying to deal with this from a mind management perspective. Okay, so I'm so excited about all these things we're saying. One more question, because I've heard you speak to a couple of people and you talk about it in your books about statins, which are just overused. And I just think there's so much more we could talk about, but I just wanted to quickly touch on that before we, we wrap up this conversation. This is a great point and even bigger than that. So when people do the appropriate things, when they get on recode, when they do the you know, the, the, the right things for their brain, they typically do not need statins. They typically do not need antihypertensives. They typically do not need anti-diabetic drugs. Mm. So in fact, all these things go away. They don't need to continue to take these. Wow. They're on these because you're literally trying to trick nature. You're trying to say, okay, I'm doing all the wrong things here. And that's giving me high cholesterol. It's giving me insulin resistance. It's giving me hypertension. Well, in fact, you don't need to have any of those. So you can actually get off these things by doing the right thing. So statins, as you know, the problem is, yeah, you know, your brain does need cholesterol. It's really not the cholesterol that's the problem. problem. Thank you. (laughs) You can look at things like LDL particle number, which Mm -hmm. we recommend in the book, and it's a much better look. Mm -hmm. And also, triglyceride to HDL ratio. Mm -hmm. These are much more predictive than total cholesterol. Mm -hmm. So you you really want to have an appropriate amount. You don't want to drop your cholesterol too low. Of course, low cholesterols have been associated with ALS, motor neurons been associated with cerebral atrophy. So you want to be really careful and you want to, if you are going to take a statin, okay, but don't drive your cholesterol too low and, you know, find out where you stand. Again, whether you have inflammation in your blood vessels, much more important than your total cholesterol level. So we try to get people off. We try to keep people from having to use statins. And mm-hmm. again, the vast majority of people would not need statins if they would do the appropriate things that we outline in the book. 
So I'm so glad that we brought this up because it is cholesterol for the brain is vital. And this thing about this mainstream medicine, which is now literally falling behind, it's not 21st century medicine anymore. It's just hooked on the number of your cholesterol's too high. Let's just give get your cholesterol down. But there's all this. The, that's just not the picture. It's not the correct picture because cholesterol once again is telling us a story. If you've got high cholesterol, there's a story going on there as well. It's also like you said with the amyloid beta. It's telling us a story. The depression is telling us a story. We've got to start looking in this 21st century. If I'm hearing what you're saying, and it's brilliant how you're thinking, and that that we've got to look at the patterns, the signals, the warning signals, and then find the causes. And it's a very complex picture. But it's very doable. You've made something very complex, very doable. And it's, it's yeah, it makes sense when you look mm, at how it total. Together, it actually makes sense. You can see why you get these problems, and you can see what to do about it, as opposed mm. to trying to attack it in a way that just actually sets you up for more problems down the line. Oh, brilliant! You are a fountain of wisdom, and just your approach to medicine. You need to be training doctors. Doctors need to be listening to what you're saying. And I hope this message is getting out. And I will do whatever I can to also get this message out. And it's just wonderful what you're doing. And and how can people find out about you? We'll put all the links in the show notes. You did mention earlier on, but if you don't mind, just mentioning again. Absolutely. So you can go to drbredesen.com. You can go to hollowhealthco.com, or you can go to mycognoscopy.com. Fantastic. We'll put all those links in the show notes. The book's available wherever books are available. And this is really an outstanding book that we all need to have in our hands. And I just want to thank you for your work and may you continue working in this. And I hope that we can do something together because I would love to work with you at some point in, in, in just taking this concept deeper and looking at things differently from bringing in the mind aspect more and that kind of thing. So the work that you're doing is just phenomenal. And thank you for shedding, bringing hope to an area where there has been an area that has been very scary for so many people for too long. Well, I'm hoping that we can all work together to reduce the global burden of dementia. I mean, that's the key. Exactly. That's, that's where things are headed. So thanks very much for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you. I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful. If you want more tips and help with managing anxiety, depression, and mental health, be sure to visit my website at drleaf.com. And to sign up for my weekly newsletter, where I also include a schedule of my speaking events and so much more. And follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look for Dr. Caroline Leith. Also, I love seeing all your posts on social media about this podcast. I love seeing what resonates with you and what you've learned. So be sure to continue posting and tagging me and letting me know what you think and how these tips worked out for you. And don't forget, leave a review and keep spreading the word about this podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I really hope you learned something new and helpful. Till then, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf. This podcast represents the opinions of myself and my guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for educational and informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional for any individual medical questions you may have. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions or corrections of errors.